Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is a man that I haven't talked to in since 06 when he did Spelling Bee. That's right. Yeah, this is Bill Larkin. Say hello. Hello. It's great to be here with you. You know, your performance in a class act was one of the great performances that I've seen since I've been reviewing. And I say that with all sincerity. That's very kind. Thank you. Everybody was saying that. That uh, Tell us about playing uh, uh, a neurotic songwriter who no one ever heard of. <laughs> so tell us Ed's story. That's the irony because uh, I relate so much to Ed Kleeman because I remember seeing the audition info and they said we're looking for someone who is a songwriter and is somewhat paunchy and bald and has a lot of neuroses. And I'm like, oh, I'm your man, you know, because <laughs> I, I mean, because I, I'm a bit of a songwriter, too. Not exactly the songs that Ed Kleban wrote. And Ed Kleban was the, for those who don't know, was the lyricist for the musical A Chorus Line. And uh, not many people know his name. And when you, uh, you know, people who uh, aren't even in the theater world are, are familiar with A Chorus Line, but they might think. Oh, maybe Marvin Hamlish wrote the words, or it was Michael Bennett's Labor of Love. Maybe it was Michael Bennett, but it was this gentleman named Ed Kleban who I play. Yeah, that's so true. Even even a lot of theater people don't know it. Yeah. Yeah, because when I mentioned who you were playing, they go, who? Exactly, yeah. You know, that's kind of like one of my little tests, you know, and I go, mm, don't you know that? Then they feel dumb. They go, I oh, yeah. I did a course line in college, and I didn't know who he was. They didn't, his name just didn't come up. Uh, but then when you realize that he was a lyricist, you're like, oh, we should know <laughs> who this gentleman's name is. Um, and yeah, and, and, and the musical, the class act is basically his life story. Um, yeah, there's tw- over what, 20, more than 24 songs of his. I think so. Show. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, wasn't familiar. Not only did I not know his name before I, I started getting in production, but I, I didn't know his songs. And so I got the Broadway cast recording and I was blown away by his, his music. The fact that, I mean, each one of them, uh, there was so many songs that were so beautiful and so well-written. I'm like, why haven't I heard these before? Yeah, isn't it um, a shame? Yeah, and I mean, but it was great that, you know, uh, Lonnie Price and Linda Klein, who were behind the production and who knew him, basically got the show off the ground. So it was like a love letter to him. And so now, years later, we audiences can be familiar with his work. And I think it's great that it is. Uh, and I believe the show premiered in Broadway in 2000, 2001? Yeah, I think it was 2001, yeah. And it got nominated for for a bunch of uh, awards for best right. music. I don't I don't know if it won any. That was the year that the producers, I yeah. believe, won yeah. everything across the board. Yeah. So it kind of got you know by the wayside a little bit. But and yeah, and I didn't you know uh, again just had recently heard about the show. But after reading the script and hearing the music, I'm like, I would have loved to have seen that when Lonnie had had done it on Broadway and. I'm, so honored to do it now. So glad I came to Chicago. Yeah, and and it's got to be scary for you because Lonnie's coming in to see it because he's yeah. actually, from what I understand, from what Michael Weber told me, yeah. uh, that he has not seen the show because he had to step in and and play Ed. That's right. That's right. I guess I don't know what happened to the original guy. What, whatever you know, yeah. whatever happened. Uh, so he's never really seen it because when you're in it, you don't see it. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, it's a different. It's a totally different. Try to show. think what that would be like to have that. You know. Put your heart and soul into the whole project, and then finally, get to, if that is in fact the case, finally sit back and get to see it. That must be something. Well, and he, but he accomplished one dream. You know, many times when you write a show, your dream is to be able to act and do the show. Right. So he actually got to do that. But you're right; he didn't get to see the basic thing, unless right. obviously he saw a video. But right. it, it's still not the same. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 
So tell us how you, you prepared for this role. Because, folks, I got to premise this by saying a couple things. Number one is um, if you didn't sing, which you did a great job, and you didn't dance, and you did a great job, and you weren't funny, which you were, just playing Ed as a straight acting role is, is a daunting task. Yeah. But you did all of it, and you're on stage virtually the whole show. Yeah. Uh, you, well, you might have ducked in and out once or <laughs> twice. But in my recollection, I asked a couple people, you know, we, we're, we're pretty observant. You know, we go to enough shows to get what's going on. I don't remember you not being on stage. Two, two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, there was a brief breather here and there where I might have stepped off and then come back on. But, yeah, he is. He is. He's basically on stage the whole time. Um, I, uh, and I, it'll sound weird, but I, like I was saying before about, you know, myself being a songwriter and, and I think a lot of people, and you don't have to be in the entertainment industry to feel this way, but of course, a lot of people in the industry, you know, have those neuroses and those, you know, I want to, I, I want what I'm writing or what I'm presenting to be seen. And is it good enough? And is, is, is yeah. And you always second guess yourself like at Cleveland. And, and I do that. I have done that myself on many occasions. And I know, I know plenty of playwrights who've done that. And, and, and I, I, as much as I try and crank out reviews because I see a show almost every day, there's those times when you're haunting you say, geez, I should have said this or that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and Ed even says in the show before he decides to do songwriting full time, he says, what if I'm not as good as I think I am? Like, what if this is just, you know, this is pleasing to me, but it's not to the masses. And I'm sure he, he may have felt that way after a chorus line, which was, of course, a huge accomplishment. He didn't have many projects afterwards. And a lot of times, though, that was because cause clearly he was, after, after you hear the music and everything, he's a, a brilliant songwriter and very poetic. but like I said earlier, like he shot himself in the foot a lot of the times. He needed projects, I think, to be exactly what he wanted. Like, oh, I have to do music and lyrics. And if it was just one or the other, oh, I couldn't do it. Or if the theme of the musical wasn't to his liking and they asked him to do it, he's like, no, that's not my thing. You know, it, it was like, it was either his way or the highway. And if, if it didn't work out that way, then he wouldn't do it. And Isn't it amazing how, how so many geniuses are that way? Uh-huh. But at least he got his... You know, we can call him a one-note guy. It wasn't, but, you know, a one-show guy. Right. But at least he had that show. Right. So many, there's got to be hundreds of people like that in 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 all, in all kinds of arts that we never hear about. You know, it's, a painter that never finishes the painting. Right. Because it's never done right. That's it. You know, and there's there, there a studio filled with them. Or people with manuscripts going from the floor to the ceiling that never get read because they're never done right. Right. Yeah. And that's what I think about Ed is that for every Ed Kleban, there probably is somebody who he he was able to get a chorus line up because he, though he didn't want to do it because it was just lyrics, he kind of bit the bullet and said, you know, this project could be something. And he went forward with it. And I'm sure for every Ed, there's somebody who is maybe so stubborn or so, you know, a perfectionist that they never get even that opportunity. They yeah. just say, no, no, no. Some this psychologists have said that's the uh, the fear of success. That yeah. If they never finish anything, it's it can't be judged. Therefore, right. they can't fail. Right, it, and it, they really fear of being successful. And it goes back to uh, that's why I associate with him. I have had those feelings myself a, a lot in my past. I've been a performer my whole life, and just started writing a while ago. And I do more comedy songs. Like I had Tom Lehrer and Alan Sherman records when I was a kid. I'm oh, showing yeah. my age now. That's great but, stuff. But that's what I wanted to be is like a comedy songwriter, and I've done that. But I'll write a song, and I'm like, I think this is really funny. And the next morning, I'll berate myself. I'm like, is it? Are other people going to enjoy this, or is it just me? 
So there's always that second guessing. And I don't think it's, I, I'm sure many performers can really relate to that. Um, but let's go back because one of the great things about this is a backstage musical yeah. and a story of a real guy is it didn't glorify him. It was honest. Yep. It was one, and, and I, I said it in my review, your performance was one of the most honest I've ever seen. I mean, I could look in your eyes, sitting close enough to look right in your eye a couple of times, and boy, you were Ed all the way. I mean, it's like they say, warts and all. Like he, I look at the script, and it, it's his bio. It's it's everything about him. You know, right at the onset, it's like he was in a mental institution when he was eighteen years old, and uh, he just had these awful visions in his head. But when he wrote songs, and he realized this when he was in the institution, when he wrote, he felt sane. He felt inspired. He felt creative. He, you know all the demons that seemed to be in his head would go away. And that was the impetus for him to start. But, uh, you know, and those, and that those, you know, those kind of mental problems carried on throughout his life. But, you know, just realizing that, you know, creating something and making a part of, and showing us a part of yourself to the masses and to others is, it is such a wonderful experience. And I could see why, you know, that scene in particular, when he and Sophie realize that this is what he wants to do, yeah, that's another thing I can relate to. It's like this is a wonderful thing. I, I, I love making others happy through music, or whatever kind of art or creativity you do, and and it's such a great tribute that his friends who loved him were so honest with him. They weren't afraid to say the problems they have. Like he had trouble getting getting along with people. He, right. He 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 couldn't establish and hold a relationship. He had a soulmate, and he kept rejecting her. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he was a very self-destructive guy, and he and that's just it. His relationship with uh, Tina Glushenko plays Sophie in the musical, and she truly is his soulmate. But even uh, I think she felt like she had to kind of tap dance around him around certain things or say things that he felt he needed to hear. And eventually, you know, there was more honesty that that came out of. Of Sophie, and she realizes in a wonderful number in Act Two, you know, she thinks of what she needed for herself. A lot of times, she, you know, would cater to to Ed's whims or his idiosyncrasies. But in the end, it's like she was like, "What do I need for myself?" And you know, uh, and that caused a bit of friction in their relationship a little bit later on in the show. But it was her being honest, and you know, realizing that honesty needs to be. You know, that needs yeah. to be a part of your life. And, and the writers, in a tribute, by showing the guy warts and all, yeah, is one of the strengths. And and it, it's so deeply emotional, too, yeah. uh, on many levels. Uh, uh, one of the great things that I like about the show is it goes into the mind and personality of this creative genius. Mm -hmm. And that great scene with Marvin Hamlish after, yes. after Michael Weber, I mean, Michael Bennett, excuse me, uh, <laughs> Both, no, no both geniuses like, in their own right. In their own right, yes. <laughs> uh, but when Michael Bennett uh, was able to to uh, corral these two guys together, because he knew he knew they were the the pair. But the egos, oh, that the scenes you were having fun with those scenes, weren't you? They were a blast, and that's just it, because they're both kind of similar too. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why there was so much friction. Like they both needed things a certain way, and they were the exact polar opposites of the of the other. Um, so yeah, oh, I, and I. And I didn't know much about Marvin Hamlish actually before the show. I knew of his career and his, you know, his, his credits and everything, but I didn't know, 
you know, how this particular show came to be with him. And yeah, the scene where they are writing together or attempting to write together for the first time is so much fun to do. But isn't it isn't it funny because uh, Dick Rogers and Oscar Hammerstein didn't get along too well, right? And uh, Rogers and Hart had had their problems. You go on and on with, yeah. with some of the, but they knew that moment in the show when you you start saying at the ballet, at the ballet, a few ways, and then he starts playing it on the piano, right? And then. That moment when the lyrics sit on the music, it, it's yeah, it was so deeply emotional. It really was, and, all and of I, us who know the show so well, yeah. yeah. And I bet that's what Ed was trying to at first. He's like, "No, all the music and lyrics are coming from me. This all has to be me." So, what's fascinating is a chorus line. His major accomplishment is the one time where he learned to cooperate with someone else, and that turned out to be his, you know, his crowning achievement. And it wasn't easy at first, like you saw in the show, but. By the end, he realizes, like he says, songs you write alone, musicals you write with other people, and that's where you learn. Yeah. You know? yeah. And if that's the lesson people get out of, that's worth seeing the show just for that mm-hmm. lesson if you're sure. in the business. That is true. It's the most collaborative art form that, that I, I can think of. Sure. Yeah. yeah. But, and then when you went, and then uh, what I did for Love, that scene when you're, you're creating the lyrics for that. Yeah. It was... It was uh, it was, again, one of those emotional moments. I enjoyed that because he didn't want to write that song. It's like, oh, this is a, a standard. He was so against standards. It all had to be story-driven. Yeah. But, like, yeah, it turned out to be one of the, if not the, you know, most memorable song in the show. Yeah. Uh, well, that and the one. And then the way they, the way uh, Stacy staged yeah. one with the whole cast, I thought. Stacy And, and Stacy had done Chorus Line, too. Yeah, Stacy. So I knew she was, was a the, big the, fan. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the things that drew the show to her. But her direction style, I just, she wants input from everybody. And, you know, it's a collaborative thing with her. And it's like, I want to know your input, how you feel the character is going. And, you know, don't take what I say as, as, as law, like we're, we're, we're going to create these characters together. And so she created such a friendly atmosphere from like day one. Yeah, I've heard that about her. And I'm a big fan of hers. Uh, I, think. I think she's that's a, great. Well, she proved something, too. Her specialty has been taking shop-worn musicals that have been around, like Superstar and so forth, uh-huh. and making them vibrant. Yes. So, uh, and she's really good at that. And that's part of like, what you tell me. One of the magics of it is getting that collaboration with the, with the cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what she did with this show, which was you know, the first time done in Chicago, and it's really almost an original, it, original production. Yeah. I don't know how many there have been around the country because it's not, never played here. I think uh, when I did some research on the internet, I think a handful of productions. I can't remember where, yeah. but yeah, definitely the first one in Chicago. So, so she's she's showing that uh, she can take material and make it make it sing. Yeah, yeah she, it absolutely can. Yeah, because I think it works beautifully at, here at the Theater Wit yeah, with the ninety nine seat. Oh yeah, intimate theater. Uh, this seems like the perfect space for it. I actually didn't know. You know, I'd been to the Theater Wit before, but not this space. And I'm like, it's uh, perfectly conducive to to the show, the intimate setting. Um, and the, the whole set, the whole layout, the whole production team, the costumes that Bill Moore put together, everything, you know, it's set in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It all fits perfectly together and all looks wonderful. Yeah, you reminded me of some of those polyester looks from the, <laughs> yep. from, from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so tell us your personal preparation. I mean, you start out singing and dancing. First, you're, you're, you're in the audience, you're a plant in the audience. Right. And. I love the scene where where they're doing a tribute to you, and then you you decide that you're going to narrate your own tribute. Right, right. 
which if there was a way he would have done that. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I I uh to be honest, that was the the opening number is one that concerned me because I I've, I've sung a lot in my life and acted, but dancing is kind of new and so I like we were talking about second guessing. It's like, okay, he is, you know, he's looking back on his life and in the scene, the opening scene where he sings light on my feet, he is now as graceful as he wanted to be. And I'm like, okay, I have to be, <laughs> appear to, you know, uh, you know, sometimes uh, in my own mind, I'm like, as I'm dancing, I'm like, you know, a little, I feel it in, there's a little awkwardness shining through. I'm learning these steps, but uh, you know, the, the trick is not to show it, to have that Gene Kelly face and like, yeah, you know, you go did, for it. You did and, fine. It was like you, in fact, I thought you were dancing. <laughs> Then I've done my job. Yeah. I mean, all we all said it was like, "Wow!" It wasn't like, "Wow, he's dancing." It's, yeah, he's dancing. Yeah, you know, like you're a dancer. Yeah. So, and uh, you, you nail that part. That and smoking cigarettes. I've never smoked in my life, and unfortunately, you know, Ed Cleban smoked his whole life, and you know, uh, died of uh, lung cancer, and so that was a new thing too. Where they give you these little cigarette, you know, these uh, yeah, these electric vapor cigarettes, yeah. and I've never held one in my life, and the. Some of the crew were smokers, like, no, you hold it like this, and then. Well, you do <laughs> hold it a little differently, but th- I thought maybe that was like a little Ed Cleveland trademark. I'm, I'm going to go with a that. Couple times you had, <laughs> you had it in a unique. I was a smoker for many years, oh, unfortunately, yeah. and uh, you had it in like the odd place, but you had the pencil. You had oh yeah, yeah. One hand, which I thought was a trademark. Yeah. So yeah. stick with that, man. I, I, you're, you're established. Yeah. Going to go with that's a that's a trademark. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, how did you? How do you range through these emotional scenes where? Where um, where we see your pain and we see your anguish and you see that the turmoil, like when you're trying to make up your mind, should you stay? At, I guess was it a record producer you work? Yeah, Columbia Records. Yeah, you and you had a good job and and you had somebody really cared for you. Yet you had this burning desire to do musicals. Right. That that conflict had to be tough. See that. And again, I can relate to that so well. I, I and I've had performance jobs. I still do. I, I uh, play piano outside of here, and I love my job. And uh, but there have been other jobs where I'm like, well, this job I'm, uh, you know, I enjoy, but I would rather be doing this thing. But this is, and I think so many. You don't even have to be in the entertainment industry to realize, like, oh, you're at a job that is making you money, but you would rather be doing this other thing. Yeah, and it's like we've all been there. Yeah, Yeah. so this is it. That's why with this show too, it's like you don't even have to be in the entertainment industry to understand what he's going through. Um, But yeah, and drama is kind of new to me. I was a little like I've always uh, performed, you know, comedy shows, but I think what helped me prepare for this was, and I said it again, like a lot of the experiences I can, you know, uh, you know, it was while I've been here in Chicago, they've been some experiences i had that were tougher than others and i kind of think back to those when i'm playing this role because in some ways what ed went through i went through maybe not on as, as grand a scale necessarily but you know so that's I, your prepper you tap into the I tap into past things that have happened to me maybe or, or those i know and uh and again being in you know surrounded by entertainers i i i i know what he was what ed was going through with a, a, a lot of his experiences um and yeah and i ta- i definitely tap into that yeah and it it comes through yeah yeah your your honesty comes through yeah. i mean you it was like you were channeling him it was <laughs> it was it was quite amazing and i can't remember a reaction of an opening night audience filled with critics and theater people <laughs> uh yeah for such an original production i mean we were all blown away 
and the next couple of nights, you know, there's been a show every night, opening every night. Right. You're, you're still, your performance and this show, a class act, are the buzz around Chicago. And I got to say, the cast is incredible. Yes. I got to work with, with uh, amazing people in the past, too, but, but uh, they're all just so well cast. Uh, yeah, Stacey did a terrific job. On she, oh, my gosh. Uh and uh, John Francisco, who plays Michael Bennett, uh, as soon as I watched him get into character, yeah, he was he's Michael Bennett, yeah. Um, and you know, I would go through them all. Dana, Jessica, everybody, I mean, are so phenomenal. And and it's weird because they're playing real people too, or at least uh, uh, you know, composites of people who were in his life. And and they're and they're nailing it. They're getting it down immediately. Yeah. Um, and the songs, what an exquisite songbook he uh, has. It's like I said, like I, I got the cast recording, and I'm like. I listened to the whole thing. I'm like, why have I not heard these songs before? So many of them uh, affected me in so many ways, and I just, I was like, even if I, even if I know this role, I'm like, I'm gonna be good at playing the soundtrack. What are your favorite? Which one affected you the most? What are I'm your like, favorite? I think Sophie's song, the next best thing to love, is just beautiful. Yes, and it. So many, you know, when you're in a relationship, you know, you're thinking about, and that again, like I said, that's when she realizes. What was best for her may not have been what was best for him. And she's analyzing the relationship and how it went in the past. And it all encompasses into this one song. And, the you know, the people think of Ed Cleveman, I think, maybe when they see a story as primarily a lyricist. But when you hear those notes and, and words together, you know, you knew he excelled equally at both, especially yes. in that song. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so many others, Light on My Feet. Gauguin Shoes is just a lot of fun. And Under Separate Cover, another song where they, where Ed and Sophie realize, you know, are realizing you know, where they're the traveling. Pa- Paris Through the Window. Was uh, wow. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And that's presented as a song he presents in class. And uh, yeah, tell us even about that the... early, I mean, he was right. Yeah, tell us about the class, I, I, uh, which is... Uh, there's kind of a lesson there mm-hmm. that these workshop classes that they have around the country, we have some really good ones here. Yeah. And of course, there's many good ones in New York. Right. Uh, that's not a bad thing, is it, for, no. for someone to learn their craft? Not at all. Especially if you have a strong uh, tutor like like who was Like Lehman Engel. Yeah. yeah that, that was his, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was his, he was his confidant and and lo- he loved that class. He, he he was with it for a very, very long time. Um and well, that was his channel, right? That was, I mean, if he couldn't get produced, that was where he could actually do his yeah, thing. Yeah, that was his safe haven where yeah. he could try out and feel comfortable to try out anything. And um, in the scene we see in the show, I mean, he's he's first a little hesitant or, you know, he doesn't get argumentative with Lehman, but, you know, says, well, I feel this way about charm songs, which was the subject of uh, the class that, that day, and but is so eager to learn about it. And so eager to get his songs heard they had to be you know done the right way he was hesitant to sing it right away like again perfectionism he wanted them to be perfect but yeah i mean if it weren't for that for that class i mean you know and and that's where he that's where he excelled that's where he was able to learn to write those songs that he did and then after chorus line with all the success of it uh my theory is his ultimate fear of success he just didn't know how to handle it oh yeah and and, and what was it that he couldn't come up with another show? Yeah, was it he got he got too self destructive? He got his his relations with with producers were just yep. so bad that because it wasn't the material. I'm sure I I don't know I haven't seen any of the scripts, but based on the songs we hear in the show, yeah, I'm sure he had enough 
he had an assault. I mean, enough of it was, some of it was just p- plain out rejection, but, and that's something, you know, performers have to deal with. But he maybe didn't deal with it as well as, as, as he could have. But another was, again, like, he had ha- projects presented to him. How about this project or that project? And he would always find some, it didn't matter if it was the most minuscule thing, he would find something wrong with it, that it wasn't perfect for him for whatever reason. Well, that's and a, that's a good way of staying safe. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you stay safe for so long that, you know, you're not building up your resume, you know, it's. So to summarize the show, yeah. it's not only a tour de force performance by you playing a real, a real guy who, who we can all relate to. But it's musically brilliant, uh, yeah, and it, and it's funny, and it's it's real. It's it's about real people. It's not a a backstage fantasy like a Forty Second Street, right. as good as those are. Right. It's it it's a real story, and the production, I think, is is super. Porchlight yeah. does things. So this is my first Porchlight production, and they do things so well. And they, it is there, and you can tell Michael Weber, you know, who's you know so integral with Portslight. I mean, they just want to present the best musical theater in Chicago and they do show after show. And I'm just amazed watching them put this together. It is just, they're the best. Yeah, it is. And it's definitely worth seeing. And it's playing at Theater Wit. What do you go, Thursday? Theater Wit. Uh, no, you go Friday, two on Saturday and one on Sunday. One on Friday, two on Saturday, Saturday. except for uh, uh, this upcoming Saturday and a Sunday matinee and we run until October 7th. Okay. It's gotta be, you gotta be proud of this show. I'm, I'm, it has been a blast and been absolute honor to be a part of it. What about the, uh, the audience reaction? Uh, they have really embraced us, uh, you know, and, and, and for so many different reasons. Like, again, a lot of the people I knew who were in the audience are performers themselves. And like I say, related to it the same way I did. And a lot of people in the audience are, are not in, in the entertainment industry and still strikes a chord for them. For like I said before, forever, whatever they're doing in their lives. I used to, one of my favorite words is passionate. I mean, you, he was passionate about what he did. And it doesn't matter what you do in your life. As long as you're passionate about it and just go after it. That's what I think the show teaches too. Don't have any blocks in your way. Just, Go after what it is you want to be doing because you don't want to look back in your life Amen. and think of the regrets. I could not agree with you more. <clears throat> right. You don't want to be that that person on your deathbed saying, I should have done this yeah. and I go for it. Just just do it. You know, yeah. like I did it for the money. No, I did it for you. did it because it was what was in your heart, you know. So, yeah, exactly. So, what's coming up for you? That's a good question. I, uh, I still play piano constantly at my uh, the bar I work at, which I love. Where's that? Uh, it's called Howl at the Moon. It's downtown. Actually, Zach Smoun, who is uh, he plays Marvin Hamlish. He has worked there in the past okay. as well. Um, and I'm trying to. Uh, I had uh, an album of comedy songs a while ago, and I'm working on another one. So hopefully, I can do. I'd like to present that show in Chicago. Yeah, uh, let me know. 2013. On, hopefully, let me know on that because I love those. I love oh, definitely, and, we, well. and we really need those. And and and. I assume, especially with your influences, I'm sure you're going to be cross generational. So it won't be just for the twenty somethings. <laughs> it'll be for all of us. Huh? I'm ho- yeah, hopefully so. I'd like to see that. Because after uh, since Forbidden Broadway, there really hasn't been. That's just it. I look in the. Li- I, I, I'm sure they're out there, but I don't see a lot of you know a lot of that kind of thing around. And I, I'd love to. Uh, I saw the Doyle and Debbie show, and that was very yeah, good. Yes, and I love that kind of thing. So. You know, anything with music and comedy, count me in. I would love to see it and love to be part of it. So are you uh, gearing up for Lonnie Price to come see your show? Yes. That should be. I'm definitely going to. He has uh, his uh, his cabaret and his Sondheim Masterclass at the end of September. And you can go to 
what is it, porchlightmusictheater.org, find out about that. And so, yeah, those will both be, people should take advantage of that. We were in the industry. Well, I have a feeling when he sees your performance, uh, when people ask for the rights to the show in other cities and that, I got a feeling that you might say, by the way, we get a hold of this guy. You ought to consider <laughs> this. Because really, it, it's two kinds. You, you ha- I mean, you have the look, which is part of it. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but the, the, the way you inhibit him on stage is just amazing. That's very kind. Thank and, you. And, uh, I'm, pr- I'm going to make a prediction that, that, uh, I think the Jeff committee is going to like it too. <laughs> I think this is the, this is that kind they of. They got role. to meet them. They were very kind. So, yeah. thank, well, thank you. It got Jeff recommended. This right. Show. Well, yes, that's the key. They'll, yeah. now they'll all come out and see your, your yeah. performance. Yeah. You got to be proud of this show. Very proud. Yeah. And a one wonderful group of people. I love working with them every, each night. So, well, folks, come see a show about a passionate man <laughs> performed by a passionate group of, of performers that are as, as good as you'll see in Chicago. And your your performances uh, in the twelve years I've been covering theater here in Chicago, you're right up there with the four or five best performances oh, I've seen. Really, I mean, extremely it's, kind. Thank you. But it's it's so true. I leaned over to my, my friend I had with me at the show after your first number, and I said, "That's my next podcast." <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for coming on. Thank you, Tom, and for folks, having me. Uh, go see theater. Make sure you see a class act. It's it's really worth it. Thanks, and go see a play this week. <laughs>